Okay, I started doing the podcast again after a brief hiatus. <clears throat> um, I'm not really sure why I started to do it again, other than maybe that I was bored, and because Bud Smith was releasing a new novel, Teenager, and I love talking to Bud Smith. Uh, I've talked to Bud Smith before. Perhaps I'll talk to Bud Smith again. Um, but yeah, so that's what I did. I started the podcast again, and uh, you know, welcome back. Uh, before you listen to me talking to Bud Smith, a few administrative items to go over with you. The first thing I'd like to do is recommend a book that was recommended to me that I very much enjoy and continue to enjoy. Um, it's a book of poems called OMG The Day, and it's by author Theo Thimo. I'm sure I've fucked up your last name, Theo, and I apologize, but um, it's a succinct and absurd and funny book of poems that made me think and laugh, and, uh, you know, you probably haven't read anything like it, I'll just put it that way, so get yourself a copy, OMG the day, follow Theo on Twitter at Theoeo, that's T-H-E-O-O-O-E-O-O-O, and, you know, Get yourself a copy of OMG The Day. Uh, I guess the only other thing is, you know, I hope you enjoy the episode with Bud Smith. You all know Bud. His new book, Teenager, was just released from Vintage. Uh, it's really good. It kind of, it works on all levels. Bud and I discussed that and um, and more in this episode. But uh, yeah, go buy Teenager and message me about it, you know, let me know what you think, leave a review for Bud on Goodreads or Amazon or wherever your reviews go, and uh, spread the good word. But um, this is a really special book, really special guest, and um, yeah, excited to share it with you all. So um, here he is, the man himself, Bud Smith. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. Well, man, my pleasure. So um, tomorrow's the big day, right? Teenagers coming out? Yeah, it's coming out. It's coming out How's tomorrow. that feeling? It's good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, we just had a big release party for it. Forever Magazine threw a party, and there was like seventy-five. I think there was like seventy-five copies of it just laying around. So uh, there's probably over two hundred people that were there. Oh wow! Yeah, there's a lot of people. Um, Where was this? This was at the Freehand Hotel in uh, on Twenty Third and Lexington in New York City, and people just came in and they just got a copy of the book. It was great. I, um, I've been really enjoying the, what I have perceived as, uh, the sort of battle against plot that happens in contemporary fiction. And, um, I feel that teenager is characteristically like beautiful, delightful Bud Smith writing, but I, it really is also a page turner. Um, something I really wanted to ask you about is just, I've had, I've had a lot of workshops and stuff where people are like, "I, I don't believe in like plot or. You know, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how I feel about that. But I, I do know the guy who wrote James Bond, Ian Fleming, said that the goal of a writer is to, the goal of a writer is to convince the reader to turn the page. And um, I, I thought that I like that simple advice. But I feel that teenager is like a very fast-paced kind of frenetic and somewhat you know plot-oriented book. And I would just like to hear about. I, I've read your short, I'm very familiar with your short fiction, but for me, this feels kind of like, it does feel like a page turner. Um, and I, I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, totally. Well, I think with, uh, you know, when I'm reading a book, the probably I have the most fun reading and I get the most excited about reading a, reading a really great novel when it, it's doing both those kind of things, you know, it's making, it's really exciting. There's plot, a plot happening. It's, elegantly constructed and there's all kinds of things you care you know the characters aren't you don't feel like you're made to care about them you just care Mm -hmm. you're just I don't know you feel really taken care of and you feel like when I read a novel that's just like really exciting on all those fronts I'm like shit I want to recommend this to everybody I want to recommend it to the guys I work with or like you know I'll call my dad up hey you gotta read this book you know because it's going to be one where it's you know it's not just a lot of staring at out the window at the snow mm-hmm. thinking about getting divorced or whatever <laughs> there's like a lot of you know there's something happening you know yeah. and that's that's hard that's hard you know to to marry all that stuff together um because some of the 
you know, most widely read books or probably, you know, thrillers or whatever. And there's just kind of like some, some crazy thing going on and you're like, Oh shit, are they going to assassinate the French president? You know, and you just, you know, we're thinking like the day of the jackal or something. I'm reading. No, that you and I have talked about the day of the jackal. Probably. Of the yeah. I, I love, I love that book. And um, I just think it's like so crazy and wild to have something like that where, you know, you're like, shit, I got to find out what's going to happen with this assassination attempt, you know, but then obviously, uh, you know, I think there's, you can go farther than that than mm-hmm. just the logistical mechanics of this interesting thing, you know, talk about the lives of the people in the book. And, and then there's a chance you might find something in it that you can apply to your own existence on this planet rather than just, well, I'm reading this in case I have, I happen to become the French president and I want to learn how to avoid the goddamn jackal. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's for pure utility. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> trying to write, trying to write something that's just not pure utility. Uh, but those are the things I want to read. Like right now I'm reading uh, Willa Cather's death comes for the archbishop. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. It's a novel where like not a whole lot happens, but everything happens in it. And it's kind of like Don Quixote in a lot of ways where it's like really episodic and small little strange little adventures but you're like wait what's the plot of this book it's about a um it's about a, this, this person who is a priest up in like canada who gets selected by the roman church to go down to new mexico right before the civil war and become the leader of the um of, i guess the diocese down there which is like the string of all the all the catholic churches down there so the person goes on this kind of stupid little quest to get down there and then they get down there and they have to go to, from town to town to kind of get to know the priests that are like operating under them as the bishop and you and the whole time i'm reading this i'm like i don't care about the catholic church i don't care about historic the historical journey of the catholic church i don't care about the history of new mexico all this stuff you know i, I barely am i'm almost old enough to start caring about the civil war right but it's like all this stuff where I'm just like, these aren't my interests. But to see somebody like Willa Cather write about it in such like an amazing way, you're just like, God damn, this is, that's why, this is why this is a major piece of art. And I'd recommend that book to anybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any, anything this woman's writing about, is just like pure gold. I don't know how to, I don't know how to describe it. And some people are just touched like that. That's true. You know, I guess it's like descriptive power, but it seems like what's left is character, right? Like, you can make someone, you know, if you're good, you can make people care about the characters, even if they don't really care about the subject matter or the yeah. setting or whatever. I don't know. But, For but. sure. There's all that. But what we're kind of talking about was why plot matters. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. And I think like the whole, the whole thing about that is it doesn't really matter. I mean, you know, you can, you can kind of read a, a book that has no plot and it's, you know, will be one of the, a really well-written books are really well-written book, but like one that's doing everything, all those things have this, have this wonderful plot happen while the characters are just the most interesting people that you want to spend time with. Those are the kind of books that they're rare, mm-hmm. really rare. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny because you're the second person to recommend that to me in a short period of time. So which one death comes for the archbishop, Bob, if you're out there, Bob always recommends good books and that's his favorite lately. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. You have to put me in touch with Bob. (laughs) Yeah, he's a good guy. But no, that's that's really interesting. I mean, you know, without uh, giving too much away, I mean, something uh, that kept me reading in Teenager is, um, I don't really want to spoil anything, but the way, because I mean, it's not important to not spoil anything, but it can be spoiled and I want people to be excited what they're reading. But I will say, right, you know, very early on, you set up... um, Cody as maybe potentially somebody who is not easy to sympathize with. I'll put it that way. Uh, yeah. And yeah. so did you worry about that at all? Like, man, what's the balance between everyone hating Cody and everyone kind of suspending their hatred to follow him on this journey? No, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I didn't want to worry about any of that. I was just, okay. writing, I was just writing this story and, and trying to write um, this character. Mm. um yeah i don't care if people don't like somebody i mean there's gonna be plenty of people who don't like that character or other characters in the book you know yeah it's always just like or maybe not like ability but maybe like even just like the ability to empathize with somebody who um 
is capable of <laughs> well I, but the interesting thing is like we all are on some level capable of of doing what bad stuff for love i'll say yeah i mean everybody i know is pretty messed up uh, yeah. no i mean i guess i've been i get surprised when people sometimes and it's in these interviews or something I, I just did one the other day where the the person was like talking about how like terrifying how, how like how terrifying it was when this happened i'm not you're talking about and we'll just i'll just give it away in opening pages of the book there's a double homicide okay that happens and it's it sets these two characters off for me and this is like on page like 10 yeah yeah it's so early in the book it's like to spoil the opening of a book i don't know if that's like a thing um i didn't i don't mean it though i read i read that at readings and right you know my wife ray is like you shouldn't read that because then they're gonna know i'm like well I mean, it's right in the beginning of the book. Like, yeah. you know, chances are most people are going to get to that, or aren't even going to get that far anyway. They'll read page one and be like, oh, this sucks. Close <laughs> it. But, you know, they get to page 10 and maybe, maybe they'll keep reading. I don't know. But anyway, so like there's, you know, like the reaction to, to there's a part in the book where strings of little crimes happen and they're like, you know, they're not as bad as the one in the beginning. I was talking to this guy the other day on a radio show and he was just like really horrified that these rich people get, uh, get robbed and they're on their way to like a ball, like a ball gown thing. And I'm like, you're, I was in my head. I was like, Oh my God, really? That, that would, that bothered, that bothered someone. I was like, man, I can only imagine all the things that are going to bother people when they read this book or they get bothered by all kinds of stuff in life that I'm just like, I don't know. I don't feel numb to it, but I'm like, it's okay. I think a lot of that is oftentimes performative. I don't know. I was I was watching a John Wayne Gacy documentary the other day, and anyway, I'm not going to get into it. But I I do think people try to pretend like maybe they're less capable of being able to understand that kind of violence or whatever. I was like, where are you coming? Where are you going with this, John? You're like, yeah, John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, you know, he killed all those children. Killed those he kids. Just a clown. Big deal. And yeah, like okay. get over it. <laughs> no, someone was like, I don't know how I feel about them putting him to death. I just didn't want to get into argument about the death penalty. But I'm, like, death. But I'm like, you, I'm like, you can't even like you're gonna you're gonna sit there and pretend like it bothers you that John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> <laughs> like, getting, I found that surprising. I felt like that guy was just saying that because he was on TV. It's it, crazy. Yeah, that's insane to say that you know, a horrific mass child murderer uh, was put to death that 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 upsets you that's crazy <laughs> that's one of the craziest things i've ever heard i was like dude, that's I like saying oh my god it rained yesterday and oh <laughs> so yeah I do, I do think a lot of that crap is sometimes performative and um yeah we, totally uh, we are we are definitely um bathed in violence on a daily basis so i don't think yeah yeah I'm, i don't feel pro death penalty but i mean definitely you know something dresses up as a clown and like kills like a hundred little kids uh, yeah we can definitely uh <laughs> We can, yeah, cut their think, off. we can cut their head off on live TV. I think that would care. challenge my view a little bit, you know. Sure, yeah. But anyway, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is about people pretending. Like, anyway, so it's really not, it's not like a gratuitously violent book or anything. I just think it's an interesting choice to start it off that way. Um, or I'm just, I don't know. It's like the reader is going to have to be like, yeah, I'm fine with this. And yeah, and get, just get it right out of the way. Right, right. So it's bold, but I like that, you know. In life all the time, I'm surrounded by just really bold storytellers, you know. Most of the time, you know, I talked about this a bit here and there. It's like when I'm at work or, you know, when we're all, we're all in like social situations, like that person who's just like winding up with like, like getting ready to tell you the story, they're giving you all the, all the, you know, warm up details and stuff that you don't need. It's just like, what's the point? Mm -hmm. Can we get to the point? And once you get to the point, let's go on to the next point. I don't really want to hang out for, 20 missed 20 minutes and listen to the pointless just spinning the wheel stuff you know like yeah there's a generosity to the listener to the reader that good authors afford which is like we're going to keep this moving and i'm going to keep you entertained and like i'm not going to make you sit here and listen to unessential details basically yeah and i guess it's 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 not really fair what i'm saying either because some of my favorite books are just they they're just they take their time for 100 pages you know yeah it's like, Madam, you know, Madam Bovary or something. I think it's amazing, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I want to reread it again. And it's just really like, she's just standing down by the river, miserable, you know. <laughs> That's <laughs> a frustrating. 
that's the frustrating thing about writing is it, there's not really like rules right no no there's no right answer there's no, just gotta do it but i guess it's like one of those things you ask like well did you try to write a page turner yes is it are you trying to write like a literary thriller pretty much yeah mm-hmm. or is it a romantic comedy kind of thing probably is it uh you know an action-packed book sure is it a fucked up little psychoanalysis of some characters yeah it's just kind of like a little everything but if you're going to try to even attempt to make it a book that you want someone to sit down and and just be sucked into it and locked into the story of the plot you know you got to convict it you got to commit to it mm-hmm. you know i don't i don't want to i want someone to kind of like fall fall asleep into the dream of the well that's a great thing to say i want people to fall asleep when they read my book you know <laughs> but you want them to kind of go into the dream of the book and 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 not not want to leave it until it's over Mm-hmm. yeah not give them a reason to for sure i i agree and, and and some books aren't like that some books aren't designed like that you know some books are purposefully made just you know you're gonna take a little nibble of this every day and you're not it's you're not gonna want to sit down for six hours and, and read through the whole thing and some of those are my favorite books the ones mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. there's no like right or wrong way to structure a thing mm-hmm. obviously yeah i guess the only really rule is be interesting be interesting I mean, be good and i know is it cool enough or something or not cool like as in like you're wearing a leather jacket and you're yeah, sitting yeah. with your sunglasses on <laughs> but some you know i like when um sometimes like i said i'm around people who don't really read a lot and i notice just like how excited they get with the premise of a book where like now i don't think writers are like that so much you know these guys, these, these usually men who don't read and they see me reading a book, you know, <laughs> what is that? What do you read? Oh, you know, I'm reading, I was reading Lonesome Dove at work and um, a few of the, few of the guys all of a sudden are listening to the audiobook of Lonesome Dove on why on their long highway commutes, you know? That's pretty, um, pretty that's got to feel pretty good though. Right. Cause I remember talking to you like so long ago and it was like less, it was more, I remember you telling me you're like, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they still shit on you and make fun of you for reading, but uh, they used to do that. It sounds like a lot more. And now they're like, yeah, whatever, man. And then you, then they're like a couple months later, they're like, Hey, I listened to that book on tape that <laughs> you were reading. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like how it's just like that in life in general. It's like you're around, you know, you don't think you like sports or something and, and but you're around someone who can really make it sound you're like, you're missing out on something actually exciting and that can really move you in a way like you're around someone enough who can can convey it, what it adds to their life. You're gonna eventually just I don't know, but then they someone finally explains like why they go and what they get out of it. Before, you know, before you know it, you might be out there fishing with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I I appreciate. I kind of I have a whole image in my head of your your uh, like work sites <laughs> and uh, the characters that inhabit them. So I'm sure it's wrong, but I like the I like the image that I've constructed most literary work site in, in jersey for sure yeah it's i don't know it's cool it's yeah. a good, good place to work everybody's everybody's pretty cool but we just give each other shit all day about everything you know i was thinking um too i mean i've always i've always uh i, I think i i think you know that i've always admired your writing um and i saw a review of teenager and of your writing in general that crowned you the uh poet laureate of the midwest or something or the small town or something since dennis johnson and uh it got me thinking about dennis johnson and i do think there's like a weird there's a sense of like movement i think like i think it's similar to what we were talking about how you sort of get right into the story right and you like you get to the interesting part and then you get to the next interesting part and there's a there's kind of a quickness to your storytelling um but anyway i've been reading him a lot lately too and so i was wondering you know what you thought about that if if there's a technique there uh, or if you hate that comparison. No, I don't, I don't hate that comparison. I don't think it's probably true at all, but I think it's cool. Whatever anybody wants to say about, you know, criticism and praise of whoever uh, doesn't really matter. All that matters is you actually like to make or you know, you're doing it alone and, and it's just, it's kind of like a little prayer you're doing, you know, by yourself somewhere for a little while. So you can kind of sneak it into the day. And I do it all the time with other people, you know, I say, oh, you know, this guy's like um, this writer and, you know, mixed with that and all that. And, and really most of the time they just can't get away from themselves. You know, mm-hmm. there's only so many types of people 
and so many ways of, to express. So these animals all sound together and but um but yeah i don't know so like i guess i was thinking about it a little bit because i'm reading um death comes for the archbishop and it reminds me a little bit of uh train dreams in a way dennis johnson where it you know it spans a long time and it's very quick and succinct and um my friend uh jace uh, Enfield, he had he had put up a tweet about this, which is probably I'm kind of just quoting his tweet actually, but it's true, you know. He was comparing um these these two books. And uh so as I'm reading them, you know, it's just like get in, get out. But but Dennis Johnson, he's a poet, you know. He's like, and a lot of I think of our revered masculine writers are kind of like wacko poets too the ones that we kind of like raise up a little bit sometimes because they're so strange and rare, mm-hmm. like Cormac McCarthy or something. You you read like those books and it's just like, why is this guy, wh- why is he doing this? Why is he doing this to me? You know, Dennis Johnson's the same way. I read it and I'm like, I'm like, man, this guy, he really is like, he doesn't care at all. If he looks strange and, and weird and he's just like himself, you know? Um, I don't think he's pretentious at all. I think yeah. he's, got, he's got like some wires that aren't quite connected the right way. And that's what makes him so beautiful, and interesting. And I think a lot of the problem with when I read men usually is they have this mask they have to wear around other men all the time. And they're worried about looking weak and they're worried about, you know, presenting themselves in a way that's not tough enough. Um, so I or think even like, yeah, like tough enough or like, in, you know, in some grand tradition that they're the alpha of or something, you know, they're the next version of, of this line of writers as, as opposed to just kind of being themselves. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of those writers that I revere and a lot of other people revere, maybe it's, it's just that they're, they're writing about someone who's trying to break away from society. Usually completely just, they've had enough with the normal way things are happening and they're either retreating into any kind of access you know, a lot of the, the Dennis Johnson people who are definitely writing cheaper versions of Jesus' song, um, they're writing about, you know, drugs and alcohol. And it's like a touristy thing. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I'm not saying you have to go to hell with that stuff in order to write about it, but it's kind of like, you know, step one. I don't know what to do in this story. I'll give my characters some drugs. <laughs> you know? a, a crippling addiction yeah but what happens with you know with when johnson writes about it he gives his characters some drugs and that's not the point it's he writes the transcendence of breaking away from the self and the character and society and he does it through the language mm-hmm. language spirals out in this in this way that's beyond a dream it's it's not like it's not so much like a um, a hallucination of the real world it's like a hallucination of the self and, and the, it just spirals away and it's so beautiful mm-hmm. that's why i read it like that um is, is amazing to me but he, he has to, he has to do it through just the only way he can you know so there's all kinds of there's all kinds of writers who do that like i remember when you know every you have the like the image every, see the problem too is like when people are young they don't know what they're capable of yet with, you know, they're, you know, it takes a long time to le- like, you're talking about learning the rules to break them or whatever, but it's kind of like learning your capacity for sitting there and, and turning what should feel, what is torture at first into some kind of strange joy. I don't know. Well, I mean, you've been, you've been writing for a while and well, I mean, first thing is, the about the Dennis Johnson I do think the similarity I realized as you were talking is the sense of like I want to say impossibility but the sense of probably joy and like freedom that you both have right like I actually feel that Bud Smith is enjoying himself immensely when I'm reading your stories or your books Um, and maybe not always like you know maybe it is a pain in the ass sometimes or whatever but there's a there's a, a level of joy on the page that I don't always um I feel like I just don't feel like you're like one of these writers who I, I don't know. I feel like you're it's a 
delightful, joyous occasion for you to write a, a story that, you know, takes an unexpected direction or. Um, I do enjoy it. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you have to come back to it endlessly. So, you know, you have to pick your medium to work in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you shouldn't pick the one that is, if you're on the wrong path, you know, you know, pretty easy on, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to sit down and be, a, you know, a world-class piano player. Uh, I don't know if I can get there. And even if I had dedicated all, all the hours you need to, you know, because you have to like have that drive to want to sit down and play the piano. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't be torture every time you sit down on the bench, but well, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah. So I'm seeing that, like there's similarities between you two, I suppose, are the, uh, the joy and the kind of like freedom. Cause like, I, I always remember car, car uh, the first one in uh, Jesus's son, um, car crash while hitchhiking. Yeah. It's like that last paragraph in car crash while hitchhiking uh and dennis john and, and jesus's son where he's like and you miserable people you expect me to help you or something like that it comes out of nowhere and it kind of breaks some rules um but it works because it's it's so him um oh it too he's not afraid of doing mm-hmm. anything whatever you have to do to get the job done he's gonna do mm-hmm. and i think uh, the poets usually are more willing to do that because mm-hmm. they're not they're not really worried it's 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 like i remember when when i was younger and I didn't understand poetry at all. Like, and sometimes I still, I still don't think I understand it at all. And that's the best part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, sit down and you're just kind of swept away into this strange landscape of language. And you're like, I, I hardly understand what the hell's going on here. And it's great to just feel lost in it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of prose writers that are terrified of that happening to their readers, you know, they're always, you're always supposed to air towards clarity and you're supposed to, you know, not scare anybody away. Um, but that's not usually the most interesting thing that could happen. That's the, that's the balance. Yeah. You know, you've been writing a long time, right? So like how, how has, you're not getting old. It's not what I'm saying, but how has writing through the development of life, like how have you found it changing over time? Because I, I felt personally, whether it's through interest or like ability or energy or whatever, that like different phases of life or like, you know, now I'm married and think about having kids and stuff. And so that makes me see the world in a new way. Like, you know, what, what are some of the changes maybe you've noticed internally or even in your writing, like as life has progressed? Well, I mean, every day you learn something new and it's something that you can put into your art. There's it's just going to happen until you start to lose your capacity, your mental capacity. So I always think now I'm 40, I'm 40 years old now. And I'm like, okay, so I have, I'm lucky. I have 30 more years of doing that. Just dicking around, you know, I still feel like I'm just dicking around with it, but it really was, you know, you're just like, yeah, I'm doing this and doing that. And it's, it's only really been in the last like five years where I decided, all right, I'm going to read fiction closer and I'm going to read wider and like really study things and um, just see what classics have, what the classics have done that I, I've never read and stuff like that. So I guess it doesn't really answer your question. Like how does, how does life, as my life has changed, as I've gotten a little older, how does it, how does it affect the writing? I don't know. I guess as you get older and if you just stick around with your job, you get a little bit more um, like, it's almost like you're on an automatic track in your, like real responsible life i've worked at a place i know the job i know the people and i can kind of like not have to come home and worry about that and i don't have to worry about i don't live like a crazy life with um i need an insane amount of money and i'm not like a person who wants a boat and you know i don't have another house that i'm taking care of i kind of just have my job and then and then i have my head in the clouds towards making the art so it's kind of like it just gets a little easier as life goes along and the um the part that makes me the money and gets me health insurance and stuff it just gets a little easier i don't know how to say it it's just Mm -hmm. you know you you get better at your job so you can get you're kind of more free to keep your head in the clouds in a different way Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense here's a question most people usually talk about oh you know how do you write with a day job or whatever but you know, could you write without one or would you write without one? You know, uh, like, do you feel that it's informing a, a part of your, like say tomorrow they're like, all right, teenager, Netflix, never have to work again, blah, blah. I don't know. 
um, would you still want to stay in construction? Oh, uh, it's hard to say because um, I've put in so much time at my job as, you know, in this union with the guys I've worked with, with, yeah, no, if, 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 if that does happen and, and I'm going to, I talked about it with my boss, I said, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen with this thing, but there's a chance I might, um, I might give it a shot and just take a year or two off. Um, and probably I won't be able to go back to where, where I worked, but, you know, just say, all right, I, you know, I have enough, I have two years salary coming to me and I'm going to just give it a shot working full time on the writing stuff because, uh, I mean, I certainly have in the past, like when things are out of my control, like obviously the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, when I had, um, six months of just sitting here, I just wrote all day. Um, I would wake up and I would start writing at like eight in the morning. And sometimes I'd write until six or seven o'clock at night. And um, that was great. That was fine. You know, you just sit down and, you know, you obviously I find that when I'm doing creative work, if I'm into it, time just kind of slips away recording music or something, or it's the same kind of thing. You know, you record in a guitar part or programming drums or something. And, and before you know it, it's been like, six hours and you're like, Oh shit. But when you're working labor, it happens too. You know, time slips away when you're really interested in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And it even happens in on the, on a construction site where it's not so much like I'm God, I'm making this thing. You know, you're just like pulling apart a machine and you, and you blink and it's an hour after lunchtime. Oh shit. We forgot to take a break. You know, mm-hmm. You didn't mean to have it happen. You just got so you got so involved in what you were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. So when I when I had that time off and I was just uh, especially like kind of retyping something or whatever, you know, like I have a draft of something, I'm like retyping it on my typewriter or something. I just get really into it. I get so, and that's how I feel like I'm. I know I'm on the right path, just because it's not a financial path or a successful path. It's just like I don't even know if joy is the right word. It's just like it just feels like what I should be doing with my time. Yeah. Yeah. You found you, you found your thing. I mean, I do do think it's strange how people like, or I think it's kind of like an American thing maybe, or you like love, love what you do. There's always like an element of happiness to it. Right. But like, you know, sometimes there's just a um, harmony that isn't necessarily happiness where you're just like, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. It's the harmony. But yeah, I mean, you know, I just, uh, I always, um, I don't really have much more to say other than I, I, you know, I'd love to hear the last thing I want to talk to you about is in your, you know, how you're feeling about teenager compared to compared to the rest of your work and kind of like, you know, you know, what, what about it is special to you? Um, what are you hoping people take away from it? Well, I'm not really sure what, what they're going to take away from it. Um, I don't know. I think it kind of fits in with what I've always just been writing about. I think people only really have, a few things that they just obsessively kind of retread in a way. Mm-hmm. And I'm always just, like I said, I'm always just writing about pretty much people just trying to break away from something they don't like about society or themselves in some way. So I think this book kind of just fits into that. Um, There's like an element of nostalgia in it though, that, and I haven't read all of your work, but, um, and maybe it's just cause I'm, you know, in my early thirties and, thinking about childhood more or whatever, but there, there's an element, you know, just regardless of what they do uh, criminality wise, there's an element of nostalgia to it, at least the small towns and the first love and stuff like that. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Well that's, yeah, I think that that definitely is on purpose, but probably not totally for the way um, it might come across. Like sometimes people are asking me like, Oh, what, what years is supposed to be? And um it's, it's the early 2000s and you know they have this character is like obsessed with listening to elvis you know it's like why are they listening to elvis so much like shit like that where it's kind of like you know you grow up in this house and you're you're just kind of a sponge for what's around you you know you're kind of like you're kind of like under the dominion of your parents their interests or something you know so you like elvis is the best thing her mom like to listen to in the house you know so you kind of get used to it or whatever but i remember also during that same time period um in real life all of a sudden the nostalgia for elvis shit was everywhere again 
you know, you turn on like the TV and he'd be in a Coke commercial or something. He's been dead for like 30 years. It's like slim, the slim ghost of Elvis is selling you Pepsi again now, you know? And uh, I just always thought that was so weird and interesting. My, um, you know, my mom will talk about that, like all the fashion stuff that she thought looked terrible in the photos from her youth, you know, she's seeing the kids doing it now. She'd be talking about like, uh, you know, kids wearing bell bottoms and she's like, it's different, you know, it's just something mutated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah and <clears throat> so, yeah, it's, it def there's definitely some of that like mutated nostalgia in this book. And I kind of don't really look at past very sentimentally in general. Mm -hmm. uh, I just think it's usually kind of spun as some kind of propaganda that like the good old days were better. That's usually how it is, you know? It's like definitely they weren't better. The the old days weren't better. They were just the old days. Right. It's interesting that the at least my brain, but I feel like from listening to other people talk about the old days, their brains as well. It's interesting that our like our minds first you know feet when thinking about the past is to get rid of all the bad parts and uh there's yeah. there's certainly a lot of them like i don't know why like rose colored glasses obviously exist for a reason when it comes to that, that phrase but like yeah i don't know why we're like so quick to forget all the <laughs> uh shitty inconvenient things about the past or it's just getting older you know i'm, mm -hmm. I'm around it all the time i'm getting a little older and i just hear hear my my friends especially you know who used to be like you know, I'm a punk rocker, you know, they're like 15. I'm, I'm a punk rocker, kill the president, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they become like Trump supporters or something. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a second. I thought you said, I thought you said kill the president. And they're like, yeah, but like, he's like against the system or whatever. And I'm like, what the, really the, the president the, the billionaire guy, yeah, the, <laughs> the orange billionaire guy, he's, he's, he's against the system. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's all that. It's all that stuff, but it's just getting older. You know, everybody kind of like, you know, your brain just gets like all twisted up though. You know, older you get, there's just like new, new cobwebs in there forming all the time. And you kind of forget, like, first of all, the stuff you believed in when you were younger, it wasn't necessarily that it was a better or a worse idea than the ones you're going to get later in life. They're just like your first impressions. Mm -hmm. A lot of times your first impressions of the world around you are pretty close to, they ring true somehow. And those first impressions are worth a lot. But as you get older, you kind of like, you know, the more you kind of recall a memory each time it comes back to you, it, it just gets a little melted and mutated before you know it. You're just like, Oh, that thing that was so amazing when I was younger. Now you're just totally misremembering the whole experience. Mm -hmm. So that's just like, I don't know. I don't yeah. know what to say about getting older. It's just like, you just have to accept that the people who are younger than you, they're not your enemy. They're, they're just the kids coming up and, you know, give them room to do what the wild things that you were doing when you were younger and don't worry about them. Mm -hmm. Don't try to, don't try to contain them so much. How did you feel when you were younger? Did you want to be roped in that closely or did you want to be given some space to, to bang around a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, that's a very fitting kind of, uh, it's as if you're delivering that message to your your protagonists in the book. Um, yeah, it's also this book, I think, is nobody's got the answer in this book. Nobody at all. Mm -hmm. Everybody's kind of misconstruing what's really going on around them. And they're on some kind of just epic fool's errand in a way. But, you know, if the fool's errand is your whole life, then you got to run with it there is an acceptance too. like Cody very early on is like, he immediately just, I love the sentence. I forget exactly what the sentence is, but he like immediately discards any illusion of getting away with it. Oh yeah. I mean, you, there's, there's a thing about being delusional and there's, you know, you could be a little delusional, you know, you don't gotta be like, you know, put it to you this way. Most people who rob banks that I think they just realize they're not going to really get away with it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like they're backed into a corner. There's no like, you know, I love when I watch a movie and there's like, you know, the team, you know, when there's like, usually like eight or nine guys and they're planning the heist and everyone's like, you know, they got their shit together, you know, but when it's like one guy going in there, 
I, he can't think he's going to get away with it. It's like one of my favorite movies is um, Good Time. Have you ever seen Good Time? I don't think I've seen, no, I've never seen it. It's amazing. Yeah. Robert Pattinson goes in and he robs a bank with his brother. And like right in the opening of the, the, the movie, they rob this bank and then they're, they're running away. And the, I love it when this happens, you know, the paint packets explode all over them and they're just running down the street, like, you know, with these, and it's just like, nothing goes right. And it's just stupid criminals mm. making more and more mistakes the whole way. And um, I love that stuff. I love that stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Feels just like the people I know in real life, not that they're criminals, but it's like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just so funny when something gets something goes wrong in life and you can just get together and talk about it, you know? Oh my God, listen to this stupid thing I did. And it's so humbling and good. And that's like a lot of what I think. I don't see a lot of that represented in any kind of media. It's like what men really do talk about when they get together, you know, the right. Like actually, how, guys, how that, aren't, guys that aren't like, yeah, they talk about how stupid they are. Mm-hmm. And like this, you know, they'll kind of like admit things blowing up in their face um, in like a really entertaining way when, it, you know, they're together and no one's, uh, you know, they're not trying to impress some, some uh, sexual partner or something. Mm-hmm. They're just, <laughs> they're, they're safe to admit what clowns they are. Right. Right. And that, yeah, it's, and a, it's, it's a very uh, honest view of, I think a lot of this is, is, is mistakes that we make <laughs> that then. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's mistakes that that help us somehow evolve into the slime balls that are you know, <laughs> gonna so quickly destroy their planet every minute. But we're like, you know, I don't know. Um, if everything if everything went completely right, what fun is that? Right. Hey, that's how we started this off. Yeah. We're uh we're stumbling our way into non-existence, I guess, but it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I guess I said that wrong. I was like I was like, oh man, it's so awesome how how you know we're like about to burn this planet down. We'll see. Um, are you you know this podcast? I never really talk about politics or anything. Has that changed at all as you get gotten older? Like, are you thinking more about the issues, so to speak, or have you always? Or I got my head in the clouds, man. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm I'm a little I'm a little court jester clown guy. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about make believe people, and I'm I'm worried about you know, how, how they can find meaning in their lives. So unfortunately my political views and localization of things, it's just kind of like, I always think that people can do better. I don't like when rights are taken away from people. I don't like to, I don't like to see, I don't like to make sure I go vote. I talk Mm -hmm. about that stuff in in private, but it's not really in my work too much because it's usually I write about like an individual breaking away from a, from the constraints of a system mm-hmm. but like i don't particularly find it more interesting for the system to be to the left or to the right it's just we don't want to be under the thumb of something that def- that denies us to be beautiful yeah no i've always gotten that from your writing and um and uh you know i felt yeah it's just it's 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 a nice relief from i think uh sometimes a proliferation of uh you know pretty like topically political stuff or whatever it's it i do feel yeah like you said i lost in the dream with your work and so definitely you know appreciate that quite a bit every once in a while i'm on you know social media or whatever and it, the cia thing pops up oh the cia <laughs> in the iowa's workshop and the, the they erased politics from from you know our art i'm just like that's cool. How do I? Uh, wow, do I love do I, the CIA? Yeah. How do I? How do I? How do I send a thank you card to the CIA? <laughs> what do I got to do? What's the address? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I agree. So I the the CIA discourse has been um, has been everywhere, but I too am thankful that uh, they've taken um, long political monologues out of contemporary fiction. So that's great. Well, because you quickly like don't have any idea what what the hell they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and sometimes it's really interesting from like a historical point of view. But I was just reading, um, I guess, like you know Dostoevsky and Tolstoy have a little bit of it in there where you're like, 
you know, you're reading it and I'm kind of like, okay, I got to go learn. I have to go learn about this, you know, rival party that was rising up. And that's great because, you know, you kind of like learning about something I, I don't know about. And that's, that's, that's pretty cool. But um, I don't know, in general, I'm just like, if I'm reading a book and someone starts bitching about Rich, Richard Nixon <laughs> for like more than a couple pages. I'm like, Oh God. Yeah, man. I know. I know. Richard Nixon sucked. I get it. You know? Yeah. yeah. He's sucked so bad. You and, know? We, and most that we agree with you. Let's just continue with the, uh, yeah, exactly. And usually yeah. if someone, if someone is reading, is reading your novel, you know, right. they're on the same political scope as you Right. is if someone's like a, like a hardcore conservative, you know, they're, I don't really don't think they're, they're, they're picking up these, you know, literary fiction novels. Like exploring uh, literary mags online. Yeah, no, I agree. You're preaching to the choir. It's like when I would go to the, uh, I'd go to my union meetings when I was first starting out and it would just be like some guy up there screaming. There'd be like the people would go to the meetings and it would be like 10 people there. And there's like 500 people in the union. There'd be 10 people there. And he'd be like, you guys gotta do this. And you guys gotta get to the job. And gotta. And everybody, we're here because we're, we follow the stupid rules and you're yelling at the only guys do that the people who are yelling at are here so they were yelling about like you know the guys that are getting drunk and having fun on the jobs and you know no you don't say that you just be quiet yeah well hey man all i'll say is uh super glad we chatted again you uh you're one of the few writers that really makes me excited about the <clears throat> the craft and like you know i get the feeling of uh i, I always judge like my favorite writers based on how impossible I feel like it would be to do something like that. And, you know, you're always among them. And, uh, and I was really excited to see the Dennis Johnson comparison just because I had been ignoring him for my entire adult life. And now I'm, I'm on a Bud Smith and Dennis Johnson kick. And so I'm, I'm, uh, you know, revitalized. Thank you. Yeah. I, I think, I think he's a really interesting writer and like, he's one of these writers who's not afraid to do, goofy stuff he's a weird guy mm -hmm. you know there's a hand there's a handful of them there's not a whole lot of these people who are worried about you know completely failing their uh trapeze act mm -hmm. yeah i don't know what was good about him yeah any other uh you know in that family any other recommendations i know you've been reading a lot of delillo and i think he's very different but he's also a yeah. wacky guy in his own right he's wacky i don't like delillo as much he i think he maybe is like you know technically better or something but he, he doesn't have he doesn't seem like you know he's like really showing his ass ever you know he's kind of got his he's got his ducks in a row a little bit more mm -hmm. which is which is cool i don't know but uh tim o'brien is the writer who i think is just some does some of the most exciting stuff like i never would have guessed that tim o'brien's amazing like even in um the things they carry you know it's like a main feature of the thing He'll tell you a story. He'll tell you a whole story. And then, you know, it followed up with, well, I don't know. Maybe that didn't happen that way. You know, I'm actually not sure. Now I think about it, maybe it really went like this. And then the, the next story starts that way. And um, he does something really amazing in going after Cassiato, which is uh, Never read read that book. So it's like a guy is in Vietnam and he decides he's going to go AWOL and he's just going to go walk away from the war so he walks out of vietnam and his platoon kind of realizes that he's he's done this so they they go after him the whole platoon just goes after him on foot and out of vietnam into laos on and on and on into india into you know um egypt they're just following this guy on foot and it's just like so ludicrous and absurd and it kind of just really captures the abstraction and the excitement of like how do you write about what it meant to be in that that war that was so the lawless mm -hmm. you know you have to have, you have to summarize it in a situation like that you know walking away from the war through all these countries and the war like continues and follows them as they go along in like ways that like feels like um a dream that's just like slipping away the whole time yeah and it makes the war you know seem even more arbitrary than it was with yeah yeah and like, I, like I said, I think um, some writers who are like, who are like Dennis Johnson in a way, or like, you know, Barry Hanna is pretty cool with that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it just feels like the whole thing, the whole thing could potentially just 
split apart and fizzle at any moment. It's like, it's like, how, how is this written?